Hi there, I'm Michael Marvash, and this is The Dead Man's Forest, a weekly conversation about the lessons that we all have to share with one another. Today I have for you the first part of my conversation with my friend Joyce. So let's just dive right in. Hello and welcome. Joining us today is my friend Joyce, who has some things that I'm excited to hear her share with us. But before we start, Joyce, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you would like us to know? Okay, well, I'm, I've been retired for a number of years. I've worked in higher education most of my career education of all sorts and still working in education but not for not for pay i'm a big fan of the outdoors since i was a small child i've always been in love with nature and the outdoors both exploring and learning about it and doing things in it hiking skiing biking camping backpacking etc i have a family that's really important to me. I have two kids, one who lives in Boise. I have a grandson in Boise. My other, my daughter's in Boise. My son is in South Carolina. And I'm connected to a whole big family system, family network that's really important to me. I'm a very diverse person with lots of interests. Well, thank you for sharing, and thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. I really appreciate it. Okay, so to give context to the conversation for you and maybe for people who haven't listened before, the the story of the Dead Man's Forest came to me pretty suddenly in a dream that I had in Death Valley. And, And it was a very simple dream. It was a... I saw a very broad, wide, but lifeless landscape with, you know, the kind of cracked ground and a a gray sky. Everything was brown and dead and nothing grew. And in the middle of the landscape, as if he was sort of just plopped down there, sat a dead man. And yet, surprisingly out of the man's head and heart, out of the neck of his shirt, grew this miniature, tiny, beautiful, living, vibrant forest in the midst of all this unlife. And I woke up at that point and I realized what this all meant. It was a warning to me that someday I would die And if I didn't take the opportunity to share the seeds of wisdom and knowledge that I had in my head and my heart as represented by the forest, then I would just die in this wasteland. But if I did share them, then they had a chance to grow and make the landscape vibrant and alive. And I realized that that, that, man, that person sitting in that landscape was not just me, but everyone. We all have things that we know 
experiences that we've had and lessons that we've learned that nobody else could have learned in the way that we learned. And sometimes we don't share them. We keep them to ourselves the way the man in my vision did out of fear or selfishness or laziness or whatever. So I wanted to encourage people to share those lessons. And interestingly, in one of my conversations on the podcast, I realized that each of us also plays the role of the landscape for one another because we also have so much to learn. And that was a nuance of the of the dream that I hadn't seen at first. Yeah, so that's where the story of the Dead Man's Forest comes from. It's about mm-hmm. it's about what we each have in our head and our heart that's unique to us that we can share that other people can learn from and benefit from, hopefully. So given that context, that is my question for you, Joyce. What what is your forest like? What are some things that you have learned in your life that are important to you that guide how you move through your days and your weeks and your years that you think other people might be able to to take some value from? Okay, a nice, light, small little question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm reading a book right now called Grandmothers Counsel the World, and mm-hmm. it's fresh in my craw, as they say, and uh, it's really articulating a belief that is really important to me that I've come increasingly to believe in, live in, etc. And that's that we are all interconnected and all species are interconnected. We're all part of a whole. We're part of the earth. We're part of the waters. We're part of the air. We're part of all the elements, we're part of each other, that we're all interconnected, that there is a cycle of life for everything, and that ultimately no species is dominant. Now, that's, of course, not the way Western culture, most of the world's culture, lives these days. We tend to believe and act as if human beings are dominant. We act in a dominant way. We we fight to kill and destroy and control everything. And I think that's sort of at the at the heart of why there's so many issues in the world, whether it's political, social, racial, climate, etc., is that we don't live in harmony. So, you know, I it's hard to live in harmony with everything. I kill ants in my kitchen, and I th- every time I do, I think, oh, I shouldn't kill these ants. They have a right to be s- swarming in my kitchen. <laughs> but So I think it's really important to remember that and to remember that over the course of human history, it's a relatively short period of time where Western culture, what I'm calling Western culture, has dominated the planet. And in such a short period of time, um, what it's done to our planet and our our humanity. So, you know, that has all kinds of ramifications from it, but that's kind of one of my core beliefs. I think it affects my view of death and my learning about death in that, and I take this really from the the medicine wheel that I'm sure you're familiar with. 
I want to interrupt here very briefly to say that the medicine wheel that Joyce mentions, she will talk about in more detail later. But the specific version of it, she and I both learned from the School of Lost Borders, which I will share in the show description. It was developed by Stephen Foster and Meredith Little, based on, of course, much older teachings of tribal peoples from North America. The basic shape of the wheel is as a compass, directions east, south, west, and north. And each of these cardinal directions corresponds to a different part of us, part of human beings. Roughly speaking, the east corresponding to our spirit, the south to our selfishness and childishness, the west to our growth, transition, and struggle, and the north to our responsibility and our maturity. Back to Joyce. And I take this really from the the medicine wheel that I'm sure you're familiar with. But but you know when you think about it, we are we are born in the east. We're born out of mystery. We emerge from a seed from the womb. We're you know not in this world living, and then suddenly in a in a flash we are, and we move around that circle from childhood to adolescence to adulthood to elderhood, and back in the east. We're alive one minute, and we're dead, we're gone, not in this body, the next minute. And that's equally mysterious. Uh, And to me, that's a really helpful model to think of the cycle of life, the circle of life, which permeates everything, the seasons, the days, the hours in the day, the, the months, the seasons of one's life, and so forth. So death is a part of every culture it's a part there's death happening around us all the time when you look outside your house there's life and death happening in the natural world all the time and yet as a society we've sort of removed ourselves from it as if it were something some anomaly or some tragedy that people die in you know i agree it's a tragedy when Babies die and young people die and people take their own lives when there might have been another solution. But it's not a tragedy when the elderly die. It's, it's, it's expected. It's the norm. And I've also learned that the more we wrap our arms around that, the more we talk about it, the more comfortable we are with death, the more fully we can live our lives. So... It's not about being morbid, but it's about looking at that as part of the whole cloth. I would say another aspect of that belief about the broader interconnection is is that we're connected generationally. You know, we carry the DNA, we carry the spirits, we carry the behaviors of our ancestors. Sometimes we want to write them off and and push them out of our lives whether they're living or dead, but we carry 
them with us and we pass that on to the people that follow us. And so, you know, I have a, a big respect for the generations in my life and my family, my family of origin, my my family currently and the I'll put quotes around family to say my community, the people I'm closely connected to. We depend on each other. We we are part of each other. And I'll say one last thing, at least for the moment, about this being part of the natural world is that I think one of the things I do is I work as a volunteer for the nature, the MK Nature Center and raise money for them because I think it's crucial for kids to be outside, to be on the earth, to explore, to learn about, to play in the natural world. And my prescription for anybody would be to spend time every day outside, <laughs> regardless of the weather, or at minimum, really observing out your window what's happening out there, because it's, it's truly amazing. And the more separate we are from that world, the more disconnected we are spiritually and emotionally, and I think intellectually as well, from, from who we're meant to be. You mentioned the medicine wheel. Is that process of coming into existence, progressing around the wheel, and then going out of existence, is that the primary way that we are connected to all things? Is it one way? Is it, can you talk a little bit about how that relates to the point you started with where you were talking about the interconnectedness of all things and how we being the West, have sort of separated ourselves from that or tried to? Yeah, I think it's one way. I don't think it's the way. I think it is a really helpful metaphor for looking at and understanding how things happen. We tend to be a linear culture, looking mm. directionally from ourselves out there and the natural world is not linear, it's circular. When you think about just about anything, like I said, the seasons, the seasons of a person's life, the hours in the day, we go around the circle and we come back to the same place. And you know, another aspect of the medicine wheel is that when you think about an infant, the infant is totally helpless. And it's all, everything is about that infant being nurtured, fed, taken care of in every respect. And then there's the child. And the child, which we usually see in the South, is the child has to be, is it, everything's about me, exploring with my body, you know, emotions flying. I want this right now, and I'm going to get it physically. And then there's the adolescent, and the adolescent is all about me in relation to you and figuring out who I am and, and the angst of figuring out who I am in relation to you, in relation to my peers. and 
then there's the adult who's about being responsible and thinking and using the intellect and taking care of the family and you know and shortcutting a lot of things but then there's the elderly and ultimately the elderly person needs to be taken care of as well and is no longer able to take care of him or herself but i think i think that that same cycle happens with creatures with you know not in the same way i mean we're the only species that well in theory we're the only or one of few species who has the ability to re, to reflect upon to think and to evaluate and so forth maybe there are other species as well but uh, one of at least one of few um but all creatures go through that same cycle and so that's one way we're connected i think that you know we all depend on the elements we depend on water we depend on the earth for food we depend on air for our breath we, we depend on the fire in the in the universe where for so many years people so much of human history people recognized that there was a delicate balance among all of us all the living species on the planet and and the planet itself and you know we recognized that we should use only what was necessary and there was much more respect for other elements and and recognition that there are limitations everything's everything's limited well we're way way beyond that now using up destroying resources so we can have more and we can control etc and we're out of balance for those people who don't quote believe in climate change you just have to wake up every day and see what's happening around the world in terms of of the extremes and uh you know that's perfect examples of how we're interconnected although for yeah. the most part we act as if we're not that we can control things we can fix things we can use whatever we want yeah and i can see how your recommendation to spend time every day observing out your window or going out there and observing nature is very tied to what you talked about in the interests of keeping these episodes close to the same length as previous episodes tend to be. I'm going to pause the conversation for today and pick it up again next week. Joyce and I go into some more detail about some of these ideas that she has picked up and some of the experiences she has had that helped shape them. Thanks for listening and for being here. If you have any questions for Joyce or for me, you know where to reach me. Deadmansforest.org has a contact form on the bottom of it. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode, and I will talk to you again next week. Bye-bye.